Well, welcome again to week number three of this series called Breaking the Rules. And just in case you weren't with us the first couple of weeks, we're basically talking about this idea that, that if we choose to follow Christ, if we choose to live our lives um, in an effort to please God, uh, that there's a demand on our life that we look different from what's normal. And uh, we know that from the time we were kids until now, the world has changed a lot and there's a new normal compared to what used to be normal and the world's progressed, uh, but what they call progressive isn't always godly. And so we've found ourselves living in a culture, in a world that um, doesn't necessarily and sometimes rarely honors God. And it's easy for us just to find ourselves going in direction of culture because it's normal, because it's easy, because we don't necessarily want to stand out or be different or be perceived as weird or irrelevant. And so we want people to approve of our lives. But we're talking in this series about the fact that if you live a normal life, you're going to get what normal gives you. And we can all agree that normal in this world is, is kind of broken down and it leaves you wanting more and it's, it's not fulfilling and it's not satisfying and, and people who live normal lives, uh, for the most part, they're broke, they're in debt, they, they're busy, they have lives that are chaotic, they're all over the place, uh, they're constantly searching for things and doing things to try to fill voids and places in their life and, and we're just, over the next couple of weeks, just joining together and saying, we're just going to be rebels. We're going to be different. We're not going to be normal because we don't want what normal produces. And so the first week we talked about just that, being normal rebels. And last week we talked about being time rebels. If you weren't here for either of those weeks, I encourage you to go on the website or catch our podcast and catch up on those messages. But today we're going to talk about being family rebels. Being family rebels. Uh, we know that um, families look different today than they used to. We can all agree to that. We've, we've all heard or many of us have seen a, a show on television called Modern Family, uh, which highlights differences in family from uh, the ways families used to look. And so like it or not, you don't, you don't really get a choice, but families look different today. Uh, half of every marriage ends in divorce and therefore children grow up with families having multiple sets of parents and they're... Uh, interconnected with different relatives through different people and, and we're busier than ever as a culture and so we're constantly doing things and family uh, doesn't always feel like family. In fact, a lot of people uh, are just glorified roommates. They may have been born to a, a mom or a dad, but they're glorified roommates and they share a home and if they're lucky, they share meals and sometimes they share conversations uh, but the truth is, families, normal families in our culture are not in the best shape, not in the best shape. And so let's go to the passage of scripture that we've kind of gone to to start uh, every message in this series. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, where it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Most people are headed down a path that leads to destruction. And most people are on a path where families in particular face destruction of different types. But I want to encourage us to be rebels. We're going to be family rebels because we're not going to have normal families. 
We're going to have families that stand the test of time because they're based on God's truth and God's word. There's this, this passage of scripture in Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah chapter number 6, verse 16, that I think is so fitting for today's message. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. Most people say we will not walk in the ancient past because times have changed. And you've got to get with the modern family. But I want to encourage us today to have ancient families. I want us to have families that are based on the principles of God's words that will always stand the test of time. Because modern is always going to change. And normal is always going to change, but there's a truth founded in God's word that's, that's, let's just say it's ancient. And some people would say it's irrelevant, some people would say it's impractical, and some people would say it doesn't work anymore today. And they can have those opinions because those are normal opinions, but we're going to be family rebels. We're not going to have normal families, and we're going to have families that are founded on some principles. And so I want to share just with you quickly four simple, simple principles that hopefully will encourage you Uh, to be rebels with your family, that your family won't, from this point forward, head down a path that most families are headed down. First principle, and I'm going to share kind of some of my story through this and some some examples, but the first uh, principle that I want to encourage you to be family rebels um, is to run home. To run home, and let me, let me ex- explain what I mean by run home. My, my son just finished his second pre-T-ball season, and uh, he, he played um, a pretty chaotic game of baseball on eight different occasions this year. And uh, four-year-olds on this team, uh, I was the assistant coach and left more fatigued than any player on every game that I participated in. And... Um, One of the things that we try to teach kids from the earliest age about baseball is to run in the right direction, right? Because because that's like the funniest memories we have is when a kid hits the ball for tee and they take off to third base and everybody's yelling, no, 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 go the other way. So so we wanted to to make it obvious where they should go and so we always taught them uh, which way to run. And so what we did was we would have them run one base at a time and stop and when the next player hit they would run to the next base and they would stop and when the next player hit they would run to the last to third base and stop and then when the fourth player hit they would run home and a lot of the kids love to slide into home I thought that was the the greatest thing but when it came game time and there was another team out into the field my son included there were many occasions where they would be standing on a base be it first base second base or third base and they would be intrigued by the players on the other team and they would find themselves having conversations with the players out in the field and throwing dirt at each other or sitting down and just playing on the ground or running around and ending up in the outfield or whatever it looked like. And they, they came to enjoy being at first base and forgot that they were supposed to run around and come back home. They, they enjoyed being at second base and they got distracted and, and they found themselves in a place that when the ball was hit, they weren't even paying attention because they were so focused on their surroundings at a different base that they forgot to run so that they could come back home. And we would end every practice by just running all the bases and all the kids would run home and they would slide in and and it was the funnest thing. But I think so many times in life, especially in families, we have a tendency to be on different bases as a family. And we forget that the goal is to come back home. 
And so some of us go to jobs and we get preoccupied at jobs and some of us go to events, extracurricular activities, and some of us go to devices. Even when we're in a house, I'm not talking about a physical place. And we find families are rarely spending quality, quality time together. And I think that it's almost, I can just kind of picture our families as four-year-olds on a t-ball field playing this game where the goal is to run around the bases and come back home, enjoying being at second base, playing in the dirt. We're so distracted that we get so preoccupied in what we're doing that we forget that the goal is to come back home. And not just for one person to come back home, but for everybody to come back home. And we go to the dugout together because we're a team, because we're a family. But in today's culture, it's so easy for family members to be so preoccupied with going their own ways and being uh, involved in their own activities that they don't share life. And it's hard to be a great family if you don't share life. It's hard to be a great family when everyone is focused on something different. And though we all have different interests and we all have uh, different things that, that we're attracted to and we're wired different by nature, there should be a a consistent home in the life of a godly family. Let me read a a couple of verses for you. This is Isaiah chapter 53, and before I read this, um, this isn't a scripture that's spoken directly for the family, but I want to draw a principle from this scripture. It's Isaiah 53, verse number six. It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us have turned to our own way, And the Lord has laid on on him the iniquity of us all. I think for families, sometimes it's easy for us to get into a place where we've all gone our own ways. We've all turned in our own interests and avenues. And it brings iniquity to our families. It leaves us in a place where we don't operate as a collective home, but we operate as different bases. And listen, I know there's seasons and there's events and, and life happens. And, and I'm not talking about you have to stop doing things and you have to stay in a physical house every day of your life all the time that you spend. And I'm not saying that you have to play Uno and Monopoly like every night. And I'm not saying that you can never do anything on your own. That would be absurd for me to even pretend that that's realistic for us. But I think it's important for us to understand that, that we can't go astray when it comes to family, meaning that, that we don't intend to live together, even though we're roommates. Because that's not God's design for family. Family is the strongest unit that we will have. You know, you have coworkers, and can I just tell you that your coworkers will change? You can have friends. You can have friends for a lifetime, but... Sometimes it can take one event and your friends can change. You know, the only relationship you have outside of God in this world that doesn't change is a relationship with your family. And some of you love that idea and some of you don't love that idea. But it's true. My dad always told me, son, you always have family. Everything else is going to change in life. Everything's fleeting, but you're always going to have family. And so if we're always going to have family, then it seems that we should commit to running home 
that we go to the different bases and we do those things and we satisfy our interests and our activities and our jobs and what that looks like, but we're eager to come back home because it's home where we score. It's home where we win. It's home where we uh, fulfill the rules of the game. It's the purpose of running the bases is to come back home. I'm not saying don't run bases, but I'm saying be eager to come back home and commit to making home a priority. And if you'll do that, knowing that it's not normal, it's not normal, you'll be headed on a path that few head on and you'll find a satisfying family. Let's be a, let's be a people that runs home. Number two, let's cultivate communication. Cultivate communication. Um, I read once that an average couple in America spends four minutes a day in communication. And I thought it was absurd when I read it, but the busier I get in life, the more I understand that that is quite possible to be true. It doesn't mean that we spend four minutes in the presence of one another, but it means we spend four minutes in communication because a lot of times, even when we're together, we aren't really together. And a lot of that communication gap comes from the fact that we're just wired different. Studies have shown that on average, men tend to speak 15,000 words a day, which seems like a ton of words until you come to women who typically spend, speak about 30,000 words today. And a lot of times for men, the 15,000 words are all spent on your jobs at your places of business and you come home to a wife that saved all 30,000 for you. And um, yeah, sometimes communication, it's, it's a difficult thing, but as men, as men, one of the things that we can learn is just a simple phrase. Maybe we say like, and what happened next? And we just let them, we let them use some words and we just listen because communication isn't just about speaking, is it? Sometimes we need to learn to listen as much as we learn to speak. And sometimes we feel as though the people in our homes can't hear very well because we spend a lot of time yelling, don't we? I, uh, as a student pastor, was, I was in a lot of homes and I was amazed at the number of homes where people would yell at one another. I would go over for dinner with a family and, and there was lots of yelling, there was lots of loud talking and a lot of it wasn't centered around loving words and I could only imagine, well, if they're doing this while the youth pastor's here, like, I wonder what happens when I'm not here. And then I had kids of my own, and I came to understand just how easy it is to find yourself so frustrated with family that, that you want to be heard so much that you just begin to yell and speak loudly. But James tells us that we should be quick to listen. We should be slow to speak. We should be slow to become angry. And isn't that just the opposite of normal? Don't normal families, they just, they yell at each other because they're all competing for what they feel is the best interest for one another. So they speak harshly to one another. They say words to one another that don't build up or encourage. They, they don't listen when they're spoken to and there's lack of communication that, that takes place. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21, you've heard this common passage it says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit I just wonder in our families are we speaking life or are we speaking death to one another 
Are we building up or are we tearing down? Are we encouraging or are we demoralizing our families, the people that we're going to spend our whole lives with according to God's plan, the people that we love the most in this world, that we sacrifice the most for in this world, that we cherish the most in this world. We spend so much time when we do communicate, communicating negatively. And that's normal. And that's why it's so easy for us to do it. But we've got to rebel against that, and we've got to commit to one another that we're going to communicate well, and we're going to make communication a priority. Lindsay and I have decided, even when, our, when Landon was first born, we committed that we would, as much as possible, at least have dinner together every night. And I know that as the kids get older and they're into different activities, that becomes harder and harder. I remember when I was in high school and, and there were so many activities that we didn't get to eat dinner together as a family every night, but... But we want to commit to, to having a steady built-in time together where we communicate, where we don't sit and just soak up media or let life pass us by, but we intentionally ask one another how life is and what's going on and what are you feeling and get to know one another better. Children have a responsibility, according to God's word, to obey their parents and and parents, we have a responsibility not to provoke our kids to wrath. There has to be this mutual respect for one another that allows us to communicate effectively. And if we'll do that, it's not normal, but we'll have satisfying homes. We'll have homes that, that build one another up. We've got to run home and we've got to cultivate communication. And number three, this is a difficult one, is we've got to celebrate differences. We've got to defend the things about each other that, that are different, that aren't alike. I've, I've made a statement to my boys, even as, as they're young, uh, just speaking over them what, what great athletes they're going to be. I love sports growing up, and so um, you know, I, I tell Landon, like, you're going to be a great baseball player. You're going to be a great basketball player. And, and Lindsay reminds me from time to time, well, what if Landon doesn't want to play basketball? Like, what if he doesn't enjoy it? And I jokingly say, well, he will. I'll make sure of it. But you know, isn't it easy for us to allow the things that we love, the way we're wired, to be passed down to our kids, to be forced on our kids, to be shoved down their throats sometimes? Lindsay says to me, like, well, well what, if, what if he doesn't want to play sports and he wants to you know do something that's not athletic and the more I thought about it I was like that would be difficult for me just being honest that would be difficult I love sports I can't wait to go to the courts and to the fields and watch my kids play but if my kids decide that they don't want to play and they're not wired to do that then then if I'm a loving parent then I'll accept that that they're different than me and I'll celebrate it because sometimes the way God's wired kids isn't always reflected in your desires for life. And I'm amazed, I'm amazed, I'm amazed at the number of parents who are vicariously living through their kids. And kids are doing activities today that they don't even like because it makes mom and dad proud. And I never want to be that parent. And I know that if you realized that that was ever happening for you, you wouldn't want to be that parent either. 
And so the important thing for us to do is to celebrate differences with one another. We're just created differently. We know that. We know that we all have different plans and, and different desires, and God has things in store for all of us. And if we were all exactly the same, this would be a terrible world to live in, wouldn't it? If there were no diversity, if people didn't have different interests, if there were not actors and actresses, as well as athletes, as well as writers, as well as doctors. But we just expect that what we do will be passed on. I asked I ask Landon from time to time, I say, are you going to be a pastor one day? Are you going to pastor Synergy Church when you get older? He says, no, Daddy, I want to play the guitar. The guitar? I guess that's all right, son. But inside, like, I want my son to be like me, and I have to remind myself that my son is not me. And the same is true for you and your family. And you have to learn to embrace the differences in one another. You don't have to be the same to get along, but you have to have a mutual respect for one another. And so we celebrate those differences. Psalm chapter 1, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 24, 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. What if we focus energy and effort as a family in understanding one another more? You think our families would look differently than societies? Mark chapter 3, verse 25, Jesus says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And we have too many divided houses that are surrounded by differences. They're centered on differences. And the differences divide, but the differences should unite us. We've got to understand that. We've got to embrace that if we're going to be family rebels. And fourthly, this last thing that I'll end on, is uh, we've got to learn to trust God in our families. It's, it's hard to be a family rebel. It's easy to have a dysfunctional family. It is so easy to live with people you don't like. It is so easy to, to have relationless relationships that aren't built on trust or even love. Because you don't have to work at having a bad family. It just kind of comes naturally, unfortunately. But one of the things that so many times we focus on so much if we want to have great families is is correcting mistakes and focusing on issues and having the right conversations, but we fail to realize the potential that trusting in God can have on our families. And sometimes it's important for us to know that if we want to have great families, we have to have a great relationship with God because he will make us into the people that we need to be in order to have the best families that we can have. Psalm chapter 127, verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And if God doesn't build our families, if, if our families aren't built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then we're fighting an uphill battle. And we're trying in our own strength and our own merit to have functional families in a dysfunctional world. And it just, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I, I know families, I know men and women who, who've been married for 30 and 40 years and, and when their kids are out of the house and they finish college and they're off the bill, then they split up. 
Because they just, they just pretend that everything's okay just to make it through and make life easier on one another. And, and God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. He wants us to have functional families to build one another. And we've got to let him do it. Uh, one, of, one of my life verses and potentially yours if you've grown up in the church is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Sometimes we don't understand all the dynamics of family. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp exactly what's going on in situations, but we have to trust that God knows everything that happens in our lives. I want to end with a reminder, if you've, if you've been at Synergy for a while, you've heard me mention this story, but when I was four or five years old, uh, my parents divorced. Um, I can remember, I was thinking about it this week in, in preparation for today, I can remember my parents just yelling at one another. I mean, saying things that, that they would never say to, to enemies, they, they said to one another. They'll, they'll tell you now that, that they hated one another. They were married, but they hated one another. I can remember my parents just arguing all the time. I can remember them just fighting intensely. And I can remember just kind of feeling like, you know, what's about to happen here? I can remember when my dad sat me down on his bed and said, you know, your mom and I, we're not going to be together. Things are going to be a little different. I can remember getting that talk. I can remember as a, a little boy, you know, just like, well, what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand. I didn't fully understand the situation. I can remember when my mom would take me to her mother's house so that we didn't, so that they didn't sleep at the same house. I, I remember that as a kid. I remember uh, never being involved with church. I remember never praying together as a family. I remember never scripture being shared in our home. I remember my dad going on long hunting trips for weeks at a time and not seeing him very much. I remember all those things about the early years of my family, and I remember when they split up. And I remember the pain that I felt. A lot of you, you know that pain. You've had those same conversations. You've had those same experiences, and it's unfortunate. There's no judgment on you if you have. It's just a reality. We've all, on some level, been affected by divorce and dysfunctional families and, and relationships ending bitterly and the effect that it has on us. I can remember being, you know, in the day just, just kind of asking myself, like, did I do something wrong for my, family, my parents not to be together? As a little kid, I remember thinking thoughts like that at times. It's just, it's just unfair. It wasn't, it wasn't a great life. And by the grace of God, I also have... Other incredible memories that far outweigh those terrible memories. I remember when my mother committed her life to the Lord. And I remember my mom praying for my dad. And I remember them coming together and just talking some, just being in the same room. I hadn't seen that for a while. I remember them trying to work things out. I can remember when my dad, a few months later, gave his heart to the Lord completely. And I can remember watching God restore a love for my parents and one another. And I can remember attending my parents' second wedding together. I remember it. And those memories far outweigh the, 
the more negative memories because those memories have lasted even up to today. I have incredible parents. I have an incredible family. Do you know the difference in the two memories, the two sets of memories? It was a trusting God. Negative memories with no trust in God, no no attempt to live for the Lord, resulted in a broken family. And a man and a woman who would tell you that they hated one another, that they didn't even want to be in each other's presence, surrendered their lives to Christ, committed to live for him, and God restored in them a love for one another that has lasted, that has lasted. I can remember after my parents' wedding, I remember we started going to church again. I remember growing up in church because of my parents and the impact that it's had on me and now my kids and my family. And it all starts with trusting in the Lord. And what I think is that the normal family in today's culture is a family that doesn't trust in God. And when you don't trust in God, you, you kind of live for yourself. It's a pretty selfish life. And when you don't trust in God, you allow yourself to make decisions based on what's best for you. And if you're a strong-willed person, you don't accept compromises. There's no unity in a home, and your home begins to split. And you end up with glorified roommates, and no one wants that. Like, you don't want your kids to have those conversations that I had with my kids. And if they have... You don't like it. You're not proud of it. You, you didn't want them to go through that. But it was just the best thing at the time. And it's what happened. And there's no turning back. It is what it is. But starting from this point and moving forward, we've got to be a family full of people that trust God, that desire to live for him. Because as we live for him, he causes us to grow together as well. And so... As we run home, as we cultivate communication, as we celebrate our differences, and as we trust in God, we can have families that aren't normal. Because normal is just, it's not a great option. In fact, it's far overrated. And why we've accepted normal, I don't understand. But we can stand on God's word and his truth, and we can have families that last. We can have families that that function. We have families that make life better. I want that. I want that for you. I hope that you want that. And for some of you in the room, it may start by trusting in God. In fact, I want to ask us just for the next minute and a half just to consider together if we've trusted in God. Or do we live lives with God at an arm's distance? You're here in church. I know that. I see you. I'm not sure what your motivation is in being here. I trust and always lean into the fact that hopefully you love Jesus with all your heart. And you're here to be part of a spiritual family. You're here to help make a difference in this community. You're here to worship God. You're here to, to learn and be inspired. Some of you may just be here to satisfy someone sitting next to you. Can we just be honest? Some of you may be here physically and your, your heart 
is somewhere else. And you're just begging me to shut up so you can move on with your day. But I just want to I just want to ask you, like, have you trusted, have you trusted in God with your life? Or do you simply live for yourself? Because I believe today you can make a change. You can, you can start afresh. You can start anew. And your family will experience a difference because you are different. I believe today that you can trust in God. And your family will have rewards that they will reap for years and years to come. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. He'll guide you. He'll strengthen you. He'll give you what's necessary to function. It doesn't mean you're never going to fight as a family, and it doesn't mean that you're never going to miscommunicate, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to stay on second base playing in the dirt sometimes and get distracted by life. But it means that you're going to know that God is with you and he's for you and he's got a blessing on your family and your family can be your greatest asset in this world. Would you bow your head with me, please, and just close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here and, and maybe you would just say, I've never trusted in God. I've never placed my faith in him and, and my family's pretty normal and I want that to change. And I want it to start with me and not someone else. And today, I want to trust in God. What that means is you're saying, I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus, which means I want to live a life that honors God. I don't want to live a life that honors me. And if that's you, nobody's looking around and no one's going to call you out. I just want to know if that's you. Would you just lift a hand and just let me see that that that's you, that God's speaking to your heart, and today you want to trust in him? Anybody else? Awesome. Anybody else? Excellent. Okay, everybody, everybody look at me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that was you. You raised your hand. And we're going to believe today that Scripture says that God will make you a new creation. And as he makes you a new creation, we're going to believe that God's going to strengthen your family. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And uh, just in your heart, if you'll just repeat these words. I would love to lead you into a a prayer that just helps solidify a decision that you're making in your heart right now. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for living for myself. I want to honor you with my life. I want you to save me from myself. And I want you to build my family. I commit to living for you In Jesus' name, amen.